0: Hello, hello everyone. This is Gerald Salenti, and we're really honored today to have with us Mr. Peter Schiff. And I've known this guy, the first time we met was going back to 2000, I think it was 2007 or 2008. And both Peter and I had warned about the Panic of 08 and uh, we had just finished doing interviews with ABC TV (laughs) when it was a big show back at the time. And after the show, we're outside talking, and I've been following Peter ever since. And this man has been on top of the trends in gold and precious metals and where the markets are going and the economy like no one else I've seen. So thank you very, very much, Peter, for being on with me today. And please tell people more about uh, Capital.
1: Well your Pacific Capital, I am a registered investment advisor, broker-dealer, so I help people invest their money, whether I help them do it themselves by giving them uh, individual stock recommendations and helping them access a lot of the foreign markets that many of the traditional brokerage firms really don't provide access to. Or more specifically, I manage money for people where I build the portfolios for them and I take care of all of the management of the accounts. I make the trades and just charge them a fee for those services. And I think it's very important that people understand the economic environment that we're in. A lot of people talk about inflation, but don't understand that at its core, it's really a tax. It's just the way the government chooses to fund its spending by creating money instead of raising taxes. And so the tax that we pay is inflation. Prices rise as a result of government money printing and the money is printed to fund deficit spending but if you want to avoid the tax you have to avoid what's being taxed and that's US dollars and dollar-denominated financial assets so you need to invest abroad, you need to get out of the United States you need to be in real assets, companies with, with, with uh, real uh, uh, you know, plant and equipment on their balance sheet, real resources that they own Uh, they have businesses they sell products that people need to buy so they can raise prices not products that people want to buy only with the money they have left over once they finish buying what they need to buy you want to have dividends that come to you in in appreciating currencies and you want to really have exposure to hard assets commodities industrial materials uh, agricultural commodities precious metals these are the types of investments that will do very well in stagflation which is really what we have it's we're going to be in recession soon uh, but inflation is only going to get worse
0: well, that's great you all well, you know i'm calling it dragflation uh, i think the economy is going to drag down and inflation is going to keep rising and with the uh, what what currency would you say where, where do you think the dollar's going
1: well certainly all fiat currencies are going to lose value i mean all central banks are creating inflation but I think the dollar will lose value relative to other fiat currencies but all these currencies will lose value in real terms so people all around the world are going to see a loss of purchasing power of their local currency the best, uh, you know, the best currency to own would be not a currency at all but real money which is gold gold and silver I think will continue to retain and in fact even increase in purchasing power over time But also, I I think it's important to have money in productive dividend-paying assets. You can't just have everything in gold and silver. I think over the longer term, you'll get better returns from productive assets. It's just that in the U.S., uh, those productive assets are overpriced, and the U.S. economy is headed for a dramatic collapse, which is not going to be good for U.S. assets. And inflation is going to wipe out the value of U.S. dollar-denominated debt.
0: You know, with uh, with the sanctions that they've put on Russia, I mean, you know, Biden came out and and said, you know, that the sanctions, you know, don't deter the anything. And yet they put these sanctions on and inflation is skyrocketing. It was going up before then. And now it's out of control.
1: Well, it, it was going to be out of control anyway. I mean, now I think they have a convenient scapegoat where they can blame it all on Putin. Uh, but, you know, Putin, you can blame Putin for a lot of things, but U.S. inflation is not one of them. Uh, we're creating the inflation ourselves, it's the U.S. government, it's the U.S. Federal Reserve, and, you know, I don't condone, uh, what Putin is doing, but I do think the sanctions are gonna backfire, which is usually the case with whatever government does. I don't think they're gonna achieve their desired objective, uh, but I think they are going to, ultimately weaken uh, the U.S. economy even further and ultimately put into jeopardy the dollar's role as the reserve currency even sooner than what otherwise would have been the case. I mean, I think the dollar was on its way out as the global reserve currency, but we just gave it a bit of a push. And maybe the rest of the world will give up on the dollar sooner rather than later.
0: Well, you know, now that China, China won't come out against Russia, and the two of them are uniting more and more, and India won't come out against Russia either. And when you're looking at China, you know, one of my sayings is that the 20th century was the American century, and the 21st century is going to be the Chinese century, because the business of America has been war, and the business of China is business. And they refuse to take a negative stance against uh, Russia. So, do you see? you know, the, the yuan going much higher? Because it's, right now, it it, it counts a very little in, in, in global trade.
1: Well, I think the Chinese currency is going to appreciate rather substantially against the U.S. dollar. And I think that's going to be very good for the Chinese people. It's going to be horrible for the United States because it's going to make Chinese goods dramatically more expensive for American consumers. So most American consumers We'll have to give up on, on on those goods. We don't have the ability to produce the goods ourselves. It'll take a long time uh, for that to develop. But look, if you look at uh, China, Russia, and India, I mean, right there, you're close to half the world's population yep. just in those three countries, and you have tremendous economic productivity going on in those countries. You have China producing all these manufactured goods. You have tremendous resources uh, production out of Russia and there's a lot going on in India as well. Uh, So, you know, they don't really need the rest of the world. I think those three countries could do very fine, even if they were isolated among themselves, which they won't be, because they'll also be trading with a lot of other parts of the world, uh, including South America, uh, Africa, other parts of Southeast Asia. So you really just have the United States, uh, Western Europe, and, you know, maybe the rest of the former United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, those countries that you know, we kind of hold tight in this anti-Russia sanction mode. But, uh, you know, the rest of the world could do very well uh, without those countries. And the problem is, you know, we've got the big debts. We've got to borrow all this money. And the United States is completely dependent on the rest of the world for the production of the consumer goods uh, that that, that make the economy work and that satisfy uh, individual needs. And so if we're going to try to piss off and isolate ourselves from our biggest bankers and our biggest suppliers We're, we're in for a world of hurt And ultimately the sanctions could, be, could end up doing a lot more damage in the United States than they do in Russia And by the way, the Russian ruble is actually higher now than it was when the sanctions were imposed There was an initial 40% or so drop in the, in the ruble, but the ruble has recovered all those losses and is now higher than it was uh when the sanctions were imposed a- in the day that they invaded ukraine
0: you know the uh going back to what you just said about the uh, when you put together india and china and russia i mean what are you looking at about uh almost what three billion people right
1: yeah i mean it's better than 40 percent, closer to 50 percent of the population i mean china is the most populous uh, nation and then i think india is number two yeah, and and they're huge. You know, you're talking about you know well over a billion people in each country.
0: Right, but yeah, about one point four billion in each, and then you throw Russia in there. Yeah, and, and then you put together all of, you know, the United States and, and and European countries, and you could throw in in Canada there. What do you have? About eight hundred million. So. Yeah. the numbers you know they, they don't add up you know as i said you know these these days are over i agree with yeah. you
1: and look at the demographics in in china and, and you, know, you have a much younger population base there uh that are you know working and productive and well educated uh so it, it's it's a big difference in the dynamic and you're right i mean the 21st century is the chinese century i mean that's Unfortunate reality. Maybe America could could get it back towards the end of the century. I won't be around to see it Uh, But you know the 20th century was the American century uh, You know and the 21st century belongs to China. I mean, it's obvious that that baton is being passed Because unfortunately there's more economic freedom in China than there is in the United States I mean, you know, there may be more political freedom here uh, but it's economic freedom that ultimately drives productivity innovation and living standards and they have more of that in China than we have here. And unfortunately, the pendulum is swinging in the wrong direction. We're going to continue to lose more and more of our economic freedom. And then our political freedom will be next.
0: Well, our political freedom, I mean, it's already, you know, shot. I'm the governor. I'm the mayor. I'm, I'm whoever. I'll tell you what to do. Look at this arrogant guy we got over here playing mayor in New York. You know, he's putting masks on, on, on yep. kindergarten kids and, and preschool kids when they don't get this thing you know and again you know i put out a magazine only put the facts down of who's getting covid why and when you know so i mean we've lost our freedom already you're not wow, allowed to speak out against anything you're blacklisted blackballed and on and on and as you said it's unfortunate about china but that it, it use that word or, or words to that extent and and that's exactly the way i feel it's china you know is is and- there again
1: yeah, and I'm not upset that the Chinese have gained economic freedom. I mean, that's great. I'm just upset that Americans have lost it. I mean, the yeah. whole world should be more free, but that means we need less government. But unfortunately, governments tend to be like a cancer. Whenever you have a government, it just grows and grows and grows. And like a cancer, it does more and more damage the larger it gets.
0: You said it perfectly. Again, you know, I used to make fun of the Chinese for wearing these masks, yeah. you know? <laughs> Oh, the Chinese locked down a city? Oh, my God. Who would ever do anything like that?
1: You know, they made all those masks, too. They make them all in China. So when we start wearing them, we have to import them.
0: Yep, like everything else. Yeah, and you read the box, by the way. These masks do not eliminate exposure to the risk of any disease or infection. Well,
1: especially when a lot of people wear them, you know, dangling below, below their nose. I mean, it's so, I mean, you know, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Just A lot of people don't actually wear them as a chin strap. They put the mask on, but it's not even over their face or their nose. Yeah. It just yeah. dangles beneath their chin.
0: And, and you know, you, 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 again, we go back to nothing is made here anymore, and we could thank, I guess, who was the worst of that? Bill Clinton with NAFTA, and then it got bringing no, China into the World Trade Organization?
1: It was a NAFTA, you know, it, it's been declining for a long time, but the trade deficits really started to explode, I think, in, in the 1980s. But a lot of it was the result of going off the gold standard in the 1970s and getting to a position where we no longer had to produce stuff, we could just print money. Because when we were on the gold standard, we couldn't just print money, because we had to mine gold first. Uh, But once we went off the gold standard and we could just create money out of thin air and then use that money to buy what everybody else produces we started printing more and producing less and relying more and more heavily on the rest of the world. And that was also uh, an, an escape valve for American corporations because as we increased regulation and taxation the way US businesses were able to survive was to move all of their production offshore and to take advantage of what was then much cheaper labor in a regulatory environment, that was a lot less costly. And so we were able to you know, s- you know, survive because of all that outsourcing. But now, of course, all those decisions are coming back to bite us because we've destroyed the comp- productive capacity of the country and now we're very vulnerable. You can look at what's going on with these global supply chains and part of the problem is that whatever we want to buy first has to be shipped over here from China. <laughs> And and not only does it have to be shipped over from China and then unloaded on a port, let's say in California, but now everything has to be individually loaded up on trucks and sent to various parts of the country. You know, back when we produced our own stuff, we had factories all over the country. So stuff didn't have to come here on boats, and then a lot of the stuff that was produced was very close to the end consumer. But now, if everything is showing up in Long Beach or Los Angeles and you've got to ship it all over the country, I mean, it's very expensive to distribute all the stuff that we import.
0: And that goes back to inflation. Adding yeah, well, it, pushing more, costing more, and as we're earning less. You know, your analysis and overviews are really sensational. Thank you so much. And, you know, people should really understand this as you're putting it out there and you're bringing you know, the whole picture together. You know, another part of that picture, by the way, of, you're talking about going off the gold standard in 1971. You know, what was going on back then and what preceded it for several years? Oh, a thing called the uh, Vietnam War? Oh, yeah, you remember that one? That, oh, that's when things really started to change. And, and then we started really going into debt. And they really, really started to print money. And then inflation really started to take off.
1: Yeah, and it but, wasn't just the Vietnam War. Remember, we had the War on Poverty. We had the Great Society program, so it was guns and butter. We were printing money uh, to War on Poverty, and we were printing money to have war against Vietnam. Ironically, we lost both wars. We lost the Vietnam War, and we lost the War on Poverty, because poverty won. You know, we, we, we ended up with a lot more poverty after the war than we had when the war began. Of course, you know, everything the government does backfires, which is why I said that about about the sanctions but yeah I mean people forget that the inflation of the 1970s was rooted in the monetary policy and the big deficits of the 1960s and and so the inflation that we're going to experience in this decade that has just started is going to be far worse than anything that we experienced during the 1970s because the monetary and fiscal mistakes that were made this time are much bigger than the ones that were made last time and in fact if you look at year-over-year CPI which the government claims to be about 8% if we were measuring the CPI today using the same CPI index that we were measuring using during the 1970s the CPI would be at least double what the government is reporting so it's not 8% it's 16% and so by that measure we are already experiencing inflation that is worse than any year of the 1970s or the early 1980s. And this is 2022. This decade is just getting started. Imagine how much higher inflation is going to be when we're nearing the end of the decade.
0: You know, uh, in 1971, the uh, Treasury Secretary was um, John Connolly. That's the guy that also took the bullet in the yep. back sitting in front of JFK as a Democrat. And he wanted to meet me back in um, 1992, because in one of my books, Trend Tracking, I had forecast that um, there'd be a new third party and someone like Ross Perot would be the candidate. So I went down to Dallas, and I have a photo of me, him, and his wife, Nellie, in front of the book depository, the first time back since the assassination. As we're working, walking back into the Anatole Hotel, he looks at me and he said, you know, I read your book. He says, it's a fine piece of work. He said, I know your heart's in the right place. He said, well, you don't have a clue what's going on. And neither do the American people. Because if they did, there'd be a revolution in this country. Again, this is the guy that was a Treasury Secretary when they took us off the gold standard. And going back to what you talk about inflation, and again, these sanctions have escalated inflation across the globe the emerging markets are being hit the hardest prices you know again from palladium to to oil all across the board are going up i want to talk and ask you about the interest rates Mm -hmm. what do you think how much do you think they're going to go up in the states and what do you think the breaking point is going to be Mm -hmm. when they get too high
1: well first of all interest rates are going substantially higher from here. I mean, they're still much too low. We're now kind of approaching 3% yields on U.S. Treasuries. We're not quite there yet. The yield on a two-year U.S. Treasury is about 2.75. And if you go out 30 years, you're about 2.6. So we're still below 3. But if you figure that inflation is 8, and that's what the government admits, as I said, it's at least double that, but if you just accept the government's version of inflation at eight percent why would you loan money to the U.S. government for thirty years at three percent? I mean you're losing five percent per year to inflation. Your your, your principal is being eroded in value and you're not being compensated for that at all on the coupon. Interest rates need to be much higher than the rate of inflation. You know in nineteen eighty Volcker had short-term rates up to twenty percent. The highest Inflation got in 1980 was 13 and a half percent. So you had a huge gap there between the interest rate and the inflation rate So there were very strong positive real interest rates We still have historically low negative interest rates. The Fed is continuing to fuel the inflation fire uh, By holding interest rates artificially low, even though they're raising them They're raising them slowly and even if they raise them by in 50 basis points clips, that's still too slow I think that if the Fed follows through with its threat to shrink its balance sheet, and that really is a threat, because if the Fed shrinks its balance sheet, bond prices are going to implode because that means the Federal Reserve is now competing with the U.S. Treasury. The Treasury has to unload two and a half trillion worth of bonds this year. If the Federal Reserve is going to unload another trillion or trillion and a half, you got four trillion. worth of low yielding treasury is looking for buyers and by the way the Social Security so-called trust funds they're now selling treasuries too because they're (laughs) running a deficit. So the, the government is trying to unload trillions and trillions of low yielding bonds in a high inflationary environment bond prices have to collapse interest rates have to skyrocket And that's going to wreak havoc in the stock market, in the real estate market, the entire U.S. economy because thanks to the Fed, everybody is loaded up with debt. The government is loaded up with debt on all levels, federal, state, local, corporations, households, everybody has been gorging on debt thanks to artificially low interest rates, which made that debt appear manageable based on how low the servicing costs were well all of a sudden the interest costs skyrocket on all this adjustable rate or short-term debt and now debt that was manageable is completely unaffordable and that means the debtors default and we know what happens then we saw that movie you know in 2008 only the sequel is going to be even worse which is generally the case right with sequels and you're going to see a bigger wave of defaults and bankruptcies and foreclosures in this financial crisis, which again will be much worse than the last one because it's also gonna be a currency crisis. We're gonna have massive inflation at the same time we have the financial crisis.
0: When do you think the breakout point, like the latest data is showing that, uh, what, uh, new mortgage applications are down like 40% or something, and and the markets are starting to take a hit. When do you think, what, before I go further, the, the IMF says that I believe interest rates should be at least 1% above the inflation rate. So that would mean if we're at 8% now, the, infl- the, the, uh, the interest rate should be 1% above inflation. So our interest rates should be now at least, what, 9%.
1: Yeah, and well, I would, I would want more than 1% above inflation because that's not a good enough return. I mean, 1%? No, but I'm return? just saying, yeah.
0: you know, even what they're saying, Yeah. And, and then you take not only the United States, but the ECB. I mean, you've got negative interest rates over there.
1: Well, there's negative interest rates everywhere. I think they're the most negative here because we've actually got the highest inflation. So even though we have higher nominal rates uh, than what you would find in Europe or Japan, we have lower real rates because our inflation rate inflation, is higher. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, that's the unofficial. The real inflation rate, or yeah. the official one, the real one is, is, is quite a bit higher than that. But look, when, when mortgage rates go up, and now they're back up to about 5%. Right. And historically, that's still low. Yeah. But in recent years, they've been well below 4 I mean, we're, people were getting mortgages yeah, below 3.5% on 30-year fixed. And you know, if you look at home prices, you know, because they're up like 20% year over year, home prices are at record highs and home affordability is at a record low. Yep. And that's before interest rates go up. So the only thing that's keeping these overpriced homes marginally affordable is the low mortgage rates. But if you take away those low mortgage rates and mortgage rates move back up to maybe seven, eight, nine percent, which is, was normal, you know, before the 08 financial crisis, We get mortgage rates back there. Something's got to give other way. Otherwise, otherwise, nobody can afford to buy a house. And what's going to give are the home prices. Home prices are going to crash. But what's not going to happen, though, is new construction because inflation is driving the cost of of building new homes through the roof. So we're not going to get any new homes. If you want a home, you're going to have to buy one of the homes that already exists. Uh, But, you know, if you if you don't have any money, and if somebody wants to sell you a house. I mean, the price is going to have to go down. At some point, real estate could become an all-cash market because most people may not even be able to qualify for a mortgage. Yeah.
0: But when do you think, what, what inflation rate, do you, uh, uh, interest rate, do you think, when the Fed gets it goes to, that it's really going to bring down the markets and the economy?
1: Well, I think we're already there. I mean, I think the market's already broke. And we just haven't collapsed yet but I think we're headed lower the bond market clearly broke Uh, but if you go back to 2018 the wheels really came off the bus in the fourth quarter of 2018 I remember the Fed got rates up to about two and a quarter two and a half and then they had to stop hiking and then they had to stop quantitative tightening and they ultimately went back to zero in QE in March of 2020 with COVID as the excuse This time around, I think the breaking point is much lower than what it was in 2018 because the breaking point is a function of how much debt you have. So the more debt you have, the bigger the impact and increase in interest rates is, and the lower the increase has to be to create that impact. So because we have so much more debt now than we did before COVID, the economy is more levered up and more dependent on cheap money as that money becomes less cheap, uh, you're gonna have a collapse quicker. It's like we have a much bigger drug ha- hub habit now. Yeah. And because this drug habit is so much bigger, we're gonna go into a relapse and withdrawal much sooner with an even smaller uh, reduction in the dose of our, of our you know, monetary heroin, which is what, where, we're going, where we're headed. So I don't even know if the Fed's gonna get to 1% before everything crashes. I mean, right now we're at a quarter of one percent. So one more, more one fifty basis basis point rate rate hike, that might might do do it, it, you know?
0: Yeah, as you said, you know, we're really in negative territory when you put inflation into it, but they never talk about that. And by the way, the other thing that I see really crashing very hard is going to be the commercial real estate sector, particularly the offices. You know, I I was down in the city uh, uh, last week and, at rush hour, rush hour, going north on the West Side Drive between 51st and 57th Street. At rush hour, 515, as I'm going east on 51st Street and I look back on the West Side Drive, not one car, not one car in rush hour between 51st and 57th Street and four rent signs all over the place.
1: Yeah, the only thing that's propping up the commercial real estate market is the cheap money because the rental income is not there and it's obvious that more people are going to work from home, they're not going to be uh, commuting into the cities on a daily basis working in these office buildings. Uh, the, the commercial real estate sector is going to get decimated as too will retail because people aren't shopping. A, they're not going to be able to afford the shop because the dollar is going to lose so much value. Uh, You know, going to Walmart will be like going, you know, to Saks Fifth Avenue. People aren't going to be able to afford to go shop there anymore. But to the extent that people do shop, they're buying stuff on Amazon or other, you know, online retailers. They're they're not going to malls and shopping centers. And all of these uh, places are in tremendous trouble. And so are the banks that loan money uh, to the owners of these properties because they're going to default. So this is a, 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 you know, tremendous uh, crisis that's coming the real estate that will gain the most value will be like farmland uh, or you know land where you have natural resources that you can harvest or grow and maybe land out in the suburbs as a lot of people are fleeing these crime infested overtaxed cities where they no longer have to work because they can work from home so you could see a dichotomy between real estate in the inner city and real estate out in the country or the suburbs Uh, where where more people are going to be fleeing to, as opposed to fleeing from.
0: Well, where I am, I'm 90 miles north of New York City, Kingston, New York, and people flooded up here. Bloomberg at one time had, of 181 cities in America, the prices went up here the fastest. So it's exactly what you're saying is going to happen. And I want to ask you before we go on, before we leave, a a couple of things. Number one is, when... You know, I've been very bullish on gold and silver as as well. And I, I, I don't see silver prices going up, you know, the, the way they should be going up. And they've really been stuck in this zone for a long time.
1: Yeah, you know, the markets are in kind of the, the, the eye of a hurricane here. And I think you're going to see an explosive up move in gold and silver any day. I mean, I, I mean, it, what surprises me is every day that goes by that it doesn't happen, but it will happen because the, the way the markets are looking at inflation right now in the Fed, the markets still believe that the Fed will be successful in its inflation fight and that this big uptick in inflation will in fact end up being transitory. It's just a longer transition than they may have first thought, but the markets still believe that inflation is going to stay around 2% or lower over the next 30 years. And you can see that by looking at yields on 30 year bonds. You can look at the spread between treasury inflation protected bonds and regular treasuries that the markets still expect low inflation over the next 30 years, despite these massive deficits. And they believe the Fed can continue to print all this money do all this quantitative easing that the balance sheet can grow forever and none of that is ever gonna translate into higher inflation. And I think that's pie in the sky nonsense and I think soon the markets are gonna have to come to grips with reality that the Fed is gonna lose the inflation fight. It may not even really have the fight, it may just be bluffing but ultimately not even have the guts to get in the ring with inflation based on the political sacrifices that would be made short-term for the economy and for employment and and for the federal budget deficit. You know, because if the Fed fights inflation, the U.S. government is going to be forced to dramatically cut government spending including spending on Social Security, Medicare and, and things like that. And so to spare politicians from having to make those tough choices Uh, it's it's likely that the Fed never follows through with this and we go back to QE and the Fed starts cutting rates again, even as inflation remains high. But when the markets realize that The inflation is not going away. And even if we have a recession, inflation is not going away. A lot of people think, well, if the Fed doesn't win the fight against inflation, recession will, because the Fed's going to raise rates high enough to cause a recession. And the recession is going to get rid of inflation. It won't, the recession is going to make inflation worse because in the recession, we're going to have less economic output, but we're going to print even more money. But when the markets come to terms with just how high inflation is going to be, There's going to be a rush into gold and silver like you've never seen. Prices are going to crash up, not down. But what you need to do before the herd is get all the gold and silver that you want now before that happens. You know, I have a company or I represent a company, Shift Gold, that I first founded and I still uh, have something to do with. And we've got the best prices on gold and silver. We don't have people trying to, you know, talk you into, you know, these uh, collectible coins. You'll get the best prices on bullion, gold and silver and do it while gold is still below 2000 because I think the move from 2,000 to 3,000 is going to happen very quickly, and then the move from 3,000 to 5,000 may happen even quicker than the move from one to two, and the move from five to ten that may happen overnight. So you got to you know get get, get into uh, uh, real money and get out of fiat currencies as quick as you can. I mean there's a, a window of opportunity. Have no idea how long it's going to remain open, but just assume it's slammed shut tomorrow and, and, and get your gold and silver today.
0: Yeah, and, you know, again, going back to the inflation, what they've done with these sanctions on Russia will do nothing, nothing at all to stop what Russia's doing. And all it will do and is doing is hurting the people. And remember, Russia has
1: all these resources, and they're getting more and more valuable. The Russian natural gas, the Russian oil that they are selling, they're getting a hell of a lot more money for it now than they were before the sanctions.
0: Yeah, so this is just going to be hurting us. And I just want to, in closing, you know, you talked about what happened in 2018. And it was Trump that was pushing, pushing, pushing Powell to lower interest rates. And create money,
1: exactly. Right.
0: It was collapsing then. And then there was a thing back in 2019 in September to January 2020 when the Fed dumped in, what, $7 trillion into the repo markets to artificially prop them up?
1: Yeah, but you could see everything started to implode. That was before COVID. That, yep. that, that repo blow up happened long before COVID. Yep. COVID just came along and gave them an excuse they were looking for to blame stuff on, which is what they're now doing with, with Putin, blaming everything on Putin. But inflation was gonna continue even if uh, Russia had never invaded the Ukraine. And then they would have to come up with some other excuse uh, to blame all this stuff on.
0: So here's my greatest fear. I say this for many years. When all else fails, they take you to war. Yeah, Once upon a time, the there, was, there was what? The thing called uh, the Great Depression? Hey, you forgot about that when World War II happened. Oh, let's go back to the dot-com bust in 2000. Oh, the day before 9-11, the Nasdaq was down only 66%. And now we're going to get that guy, Osama bin Laden, dead or alive. Boop. But- The fake markets, remember that one? Remember the housing and all that? So my greatest concern, Peter, is that when all else fails, they take you to war.
1: Yeah, that's been the playbook. But the problem is, I mean, we can't even afford peace, let alone war. We're broke. (laughs) We're in no position to finance a war. In fact, we have to borrow money from our enemies in order to fight them which yeah. makes no sense whatsoever ever. In fact, the, the, our enemies not only would have to finance the war, they'd have to supply us uh, with our material in
0: order to fight the war. So
1: we are in no economic position uh, to have a war.
0: Well, but you're, but you're talking common sense. I mean, look at, the, look at the morons and imbeciles in charge of this show you know i mean you know again like i say to people oh you're a democrat or republican or who do you look up to uh chucky schumer or 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 uh, mitch mcconnell now there's a brilliant guy no i like nancy pelosi and adam schiff you know well i don't want to i'm sorry to use that name in talking to you i don't want people to confuse there are always
1: people that think there's some relation there (laughs) <laughs> but no he's not even the black sheep of the family he's not in my family but i mean there are a lot of shifts out there so. no, i'm
0: only kidding you know but i didn't even mean to bring his name up but i'm just saying the morons out there lindsey gray i mean look at these clowns so what i'm saying is you got imbeciles in charge and they'll do stupid things because they have a perfect track record of nothing but failure
1: and you also have to remember that these imbeciles they have one agenda, and it's not to help the country. It's to get reelected. That's it. And so every decision they make is made from a political perspective, a selfish political perspective. Yep. So don't expect them to do what's right for the country, because they couldn't care less about doing what's right for the country. What they care about is how do they get reelected. And generally, what you do to get reelected is the opposite of what you would do if you cared about the country.
0: Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Peter, thank you so much. Again, you know, what you say, the knowledge that you have, you're one of a kind. Nobody can match with the the, the, uh, insights, observations, facts and data that you provide. So thank you so much. And again, please tell the people how they can get a hold of you if they want to invest their money into the future so they're not slaughtered by inflation.
1: Sure, and Gerald, thanks for not only having me on, but I also appreciate all the good work that you've been doing over the years. Thank you. And, you know, people can follow my work on my podcast. I generally come out with two to three episodes per week of the Peter Schiff Show podcast. You can hear it on SchiffRadio.com. You can also listen to it on my YouTube channel, The Schiff Report, any place there are podcasts. I recently launched a page on Locals so people will be able to uh, get the podcast there as well. Plus, I also put out a lot of other content, special content that's not podcast related that you can pick up on my YouTube channel or on Locals. Also, I I do a lot on Twitter these days. I'm constantly tweeting. uh, So you can follow me there. Also, Instagram, Facebook. So I've got a presence on social media. Uh, But more important too, is to try to protect yourself i mean that's really my mission in life not just educating people to understand these principles but helping them protect themselves most americans i believe are really going to get wiped out i feel particularly bad for the older people you know our age or even a little older that have saved their whole life and they're about to watch their life savings go up in smoke inflation is a, is very destructive for older people if you're younger in your 20s 30s not quite as bad yes you can lose your life savings but you haven't had a, a lifetime to save yet in fact a lot of young americans have no savings they just have debt and that'll get wiped out but older people who are living off of a portfolio of their retirement a pension annuities it's going to be terrible. A lot of people are going to have to be work back in the workforce. The retirement dreams are going to end in a nightmare. I want to save as many Americans as I can from having to suffer those type of consequences. You work hard for your money. I want to make sure that you don't lose the purchasing power because that's what matters. Not how much money you have, but what you can buy with the money you have and you're not gonna be able to buy much if you keep it in dollars. So people should contact me at EuroPacific Pacific Asset Management, Europe Pacific Capital, talk to one of my representatives about our investment strategies and whether they're right for you, and then just move some funds over for me to manage for you to get it out of harm's way, to get it out of dollars, and to build a portfolio that will thrive during a period of stagflation.
0: Again, thank you so much. But one thing, again, I don't call it stagflation, I say dragflation, dragflation. Either it way. won't be stagnant, <laughs> it's going to drag down.
1: Yes. You know what? Then you're right, because it's I, I've actually been saying a inflationary depression because it's going to be really high inflation. And it's not just going to be a weak economy. It's going to be an outright collapse, yep. recession, depression. So inflationary depression might be a better term because people go back and look at the 1930s and we had a depression, but at least prices went down. And people think, oh, prices going down are bad because prices went down during the Depression. Prices going down was one of the good things during the Depression. It was a bright spot. It alleviated the suffering during the Depression. Imagine how much worse the Depression would be if the cost of living went up instead of down. I mean, people would be even more depressed if their grocery bills and their electric bills were skyrocketing, which is what Americans are going to be in store for uh, when the Second Great Depression arrives.
0: Yep. Thank you again, Peter. And everyone, if you want to protect your future, this is a company that you should really consider looking into. Thanks again.
1: Take Take care.